Okay, thanks for coming tonight. I, uh, uh, yeah, I'm excited about tonight's tonight's word. I think it's going to address um, uh, belief in a lot of people who are uh, believers and non-believers, but it's an it's kind of a prideful. I feel like it's an uh, it's a belief that comes out of uh, ignorance to God's who God is and what His word is. Okay, so the phrase I want to talk about tonight um, comes under our our theme, right? So our theme right now is uh, loving others. We just finished a couple months of talking about how, what does it mean to love God. This is our third week in talking about what it means to love others. Yeah, the first week we talked about um, uh, love for others and and your neighbor. Yeah. Um, from Leviticus um, 19. Last week we talked about um, the, the fruits of the Spirit and how God gives us the fruits of the Spirit, not just so we would have these godly attributes of love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, but we would have those things in order that the relationships that God desires for us would continue, right? In order for a relationship to continue, you should have some patience. You should have some kindness, you should have some gentleness. You should have some self-control. Amen. So last week at the end of our time together, I prayed for specific things. Yeah. Um, you guys think like I had you guys ask yourselves what were specific fruits of God's spirit that you could actually have or want a little more of. Because Paul says according to things of the spirit, there's no limit. I mean, if you want more patience, you can have as much patience as you want. You know, if you want to have uh Kindness, you can have, you can be filthy rich in kindness, you know? And so, um, so tonight, yeah, uh, I'm going to talk about an aspect of loving our neighbor that is super, super, super important, yeah? Um, and I, I guess you could summarize it by saying, or let me just make this dot dot statement, um, if my brother sins okay if my brother sins and i kind of want to talk about that yeah um is it my responsibility if it is my responsibility what should i do if it's not my responsibility whose responsibility is it okay i kind of want to answer some of those questions tonight um and i guess the first statement that i want to i want to uh make in uh as a preface to this is something that you guys have all heard before. And every time I hear it, I cringe. I seriously cringe when I hear people say this because it's, uh, it's boastful, it's prideful, and, and I feel like they just don't understand who God is because if they really understood the, the type of God that we have, they, they would not be making this statement, okay? And so the statement is, yeah, only God can judge me. Yeah, you guys have all heard that before, right? Only God can judge me. And they kind of say it with a little bit of flair. Like, who are you to say anything against me, right? Only God can judge me. Let me just read. Uh, there, there's a ton of scriptures, okay? Um, but let me, I just want to read a few of them. And I think you guys will get, get my point. And then, and then we'll jump into um, what our response should be okay so uh hebrews chapter 10 verse 
31. It reads, well, let me start from 30. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine and I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Okay, let me just read that again. The Lord will judge his people, but in verse 31 it says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Okay, um, turn to Psalm 7, verse 11. And I want to read another uh, 7, 7, 11. Um, Psalm 7, verse 11. Okay, and that reads, um, God is a righteous God, a God who feels indignation every day. Yeah, let me read that again. God is a righteous God, a righteous judge, yeah, and a judge who feels indignation every day. Okay, so uh, when we're talking about indignation, okay, uh, it's anger or annoyance um, provoked by what is uh, perceived as, as unfair, yeah? And so um, uh, what the psalmist is writing is that God is a righteous judge, a God who feels indignation every day. So you could almost say that God is angry every day, all day, which is not really a view of us, right? Not really a view that we have of God. Normally we think God is happy, loving, joyous, right? Like his praise constantly happening, prayer constantly happening in heaven. Um, but because our God is number one, what? Holy, yeah? Because he's holy and set apart, this holy God can be perfectly pure and loving and simultaneously perfect, pure, and angry, okay? He can be loving and caring and kind and forgiving, simultaneously he can also be angry yeah at some of the things that are happening in our world right now okay so um so only god can judge me yeah uh is um partially accurate which makes it a lie yeah the truth is god will judge all people okay god will judge all people but God also gives us instructions for what our response should be um, in this world. Like, do we have the right to judge people? If we do have the right to judge people, who are we called to judge, right? Um, this light is flipping out over here. Um, so let's open up the scriptures a little bit, okay? So um, let's go with our verse for today. So Galatians 6, chapter 1. We got two... two uh, Two main passages for tonight is um, 1 Corinthians 5, Galatians 6, and Matthew chapter 18. Hopefully we can get through most of those, but um, they're, they're pretty self-explanatory, and I think we can get through uh, most of those. But um, Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Amen? Okay. So... When I think about um, our response, right? So if my brother sins, right? Uh, maybe, uh, so the question is, right? So my, my brother sins 
and I see it, what is my response? Yeah, what is my response? So we read in verse 1, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So what is, hey, so let me ask you this question. So what is assumed in that statement? Well, not necessarily. Hopefully we are gentle in our interaction with them, okay? So brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. What, what is, is going to have to be made in that process? A judgment, right? A judgment is going to have to be made. If somebody is caught in a sin, what judgment is going to be made? Somebody's going to look at your life and your actions and be like, hey, this person is not living up to the standard that God has set. We who are spiritual amongst that person should do what? Should try to restore that person, okay? So um, you guys heard the... Um, what was the first murder in, recorded in the Bible? Yeah, Cain and Abel, okay? And what was Cain's response to the Lord when the Lord asked him where, okay, so he came to Cain and says, where is your brother Abel? Anybody remember, Nunu, remember? What was Cain's response to the Lord? Am I my, my brother's keeper? Okay, ultimately he's asking God, God, am I responsible for my brother? And I think about it, it's almost like God is almost assuming that Cain should be responsible for his brother in the question, right? The question is, where is your brother Cain? Why am I asking you that? Because he's your brother, yeah? So Cain responds, am I brother's keeper? And it's almost assumed that God is saying, yes. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. Yeah? We are responsible for those who are around us. Amen? We'll elaborate on that a little bit more. Okay? So here's a command, right? So we'll keep on reading. Verse 1. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, this is huge right here, guys. This is super huge, yeah? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love God, love your neighbor, yeah, as you love yourself. And so you fulfill all the commands, yeah, that are written. Like the law, the new law that, that Jesus brought was to love God and love your neighbor, yeah, to pray for those who are persecuting you, yeah, to love those who are cheating you, like, to be silent before your shears, like your accusers, okay? Um, so is it our responsibility to be the keeper of our brothers, the keeper of our sisters? Pay attention, Kai. Okay? Being a distraction. <clears throat> okay, so is it my responsibility, yeah, to attend to my brother or my sister, or if they, they can make whatever choices they want, I can just let them do whatever they want, yeah? It's their choice anyway, it's their life, yeah? No, not necessarily, okay? Biblically, it's our job to bear one another's burdens. It's our job to reach out to our brothers and sisters who go astray, okay? 
a, a trespass. What is a trespass? Somebody who falls aside. Literally somebody who is like stumbles next to another item or another person, yeah? And a lot of times we, uh, we're not talking about unbelievers. We're talking about when somebody create, commits a trespass, it's somebody who's already walking the walk, who knows about the Lord, who knows the truth, and then somehow in there get deceived, and then they stumble, and then they fall. Hopefully if I stumble and fall, somebody comes and helps me up, right? Like literally, like if somebody falls and trips, right? Hopefully we're like, oh man, let's help you up. You're all right, dust you off push you up, push you back again, you know? Like I, I was watching this thing the other day where um, I seen this little baby, was it a movie or something like that? This baby fell and I was just thinking like, man, like I remember this one time where I, I like it, I juked my niece and she fell f- flat on her face on the cement. I was like, I felt like the worst uncle ever. I felt like we were playing tag, right? She was like t- chasing me and I went, oh, and she was actually diving into my arms and she fell on the ground and I was like, you can tag me anytime, like anytime you, I will never run away ever again, you know? But when somebody falls, you kind of, especially the young ones, you, you know, we who are, like it addresses, we who are spiritual should restore that person. We who are standing up, right? We who are standing up on our own two feet should pick up those who've fallen. And when we think about young kids stumbling, you're like, oh, I'm going to pick an old lady. Oh, I'm going to pick that person up, like. But sometimes we don't have that initial reaction to our friends and our loved ones who know God, who know the truth, and then they what? They stumble and fall. Sometimes we are uh, afraid to speak God's truth, yeah? Sometimes not only are we afraid to speak God's truth, we're weak in our faith, and so what do we do? We let the blind lead the blind, you know? Like, because I'm not strong enough to make my own decisions, like if I have a brother or sister who is sitting, sometimes rather than telling them like, eh, Maybe we shouldn't do that. We go along with them. You know? When God has actually given us the opportunity to restore our brother and restore our sister to the truth and the faith. Amen? Um, okay, so um, turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. So 1 Corinthians is a, a unique letter, and I've, and I've talked about this before um, the church in Corinth, they loved the Lord, but they had some issues, okay? They had some issues. I mean, they, uh, in this letter, Paul addresses um, misuse of communion, disorder in the service, division in the church. And uh, chapter 5 is probably uh, hits at home with like the the impurity of what is happening in the church, okay? So what is happening in this letter, yeah, or, or what Paul is addressing, what is happening in the church is this uh, son who's having an affair with his stepmom, okay? Not only is that bad, but people know about it and it's accepted and some people are, have, are even like encouraging it, Okay? So the dad remarries and the son is sleeping around with his mom-ish. And, and it's kind of public knowledge, so much so that when Paul gets a report of the church, this is what they report. They're like, Paul, they love the Lord, but these people got issues, okay? And so at the end of his response, let's, let's pick it up at uh, verse 12. Or actually, we'll go from verse 
um, 11. Okay. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of uh, brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality, greed, or is an idolater, reveler, drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. For what, I, what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church who judge, um, whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So what is Paul saying? Paul says, God will judge the people outside the church. What is our responsibility? To judge the people inside the church. Yeah? One of the, um, I love how Pastor Greg puts it, yeah? Pastor Greg says that the, the role of a pastor is to lead, feed, and protect. Amen? And in <clears throat> Hebrews, it writes that uh, one of the main responsibilities of a pastor, and this is why you guys all should have somebody that you are submitted under, okay? Somebody that you, you look up to as a spiritual mentor, Okay? Because I, I feel like it's not only a, a pastor's role, but an overseer's role. Do you have somebody, yeah, in your life that literally is watching your life with a magnifying glass? Okay? So I'm just going to throw that out there. I, ho I hope you guys can clearly say, yes, I have a person and I talk with them often. Not only do I have a person who looks after me, but I invite that person into my life. So, um, I'm not going to get off on tangent. Okay. One of the, 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 one of the things that really uh, keeps me up at night, makes me try to be a little bit more diligent uh, and, and, and fervent in, in, in my work and my calling here, is that one of the main responsibilities of an overseer is that we watch over the souls yeah, of our people. You guys know that that is one of the responsibilities of a pastor or overseer is that it, God gives us the responsibility to watch over not just your actions, but to watch over your soul, to make sure that I'm not steering you guys left or right, to make sure that you guys are not stumbling, to make sure you guys are walking the narrow walk because the end result is eternity in heaven, amen? So, so if, if my main, one of my responsibilities okay, with, within being a pastor is to watch over the soul of a person, what am I making constant? Uh, what is one of my constant actions? I'm making judgments, right? I'm meeting with Kepa, saying, Kepa, how's your life? Well, what's going on? Okay, you're doing good here, doing good there, studying, family, blah, blah, blah. All right, what's the stumble, you know? Are you stumbling? Is there temptation? Is there a struggle? Are you being oppressed? Like, how can I partner with you in prayer? How can I resource you in the life that you're living? And so I'm, I'm hoping that all of you who are younger, you guys have somebody that's like not only an overseer, but you're inviting them into that circle, you know? Because it's one thing for uh, it's one thing for you to have an overseer who desires to speak into your life but another thing for you to invite that. Because just because I have a desire to shape and form you and I have a best intentions, if you are unwilling to invite that, you're not going to receive it. Like it's a partnership, yeah? It's a partnership. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, but Jesus came to bring life and life to the fullest. Part of how Jesus brings life to the fullest is he brings people into our lives 
that allow that he uses to to shape and form us in a godly way the only way we become godly right is either god himself god himself shows up in a real way and shows us like hey this is how it is or god uses people to show his godly truth in our lives right People who open up God's word and understand what God's word says and delivers it to us in a way that we can understand it. So the result end is that we're not so much like ourselves or like the world or like our culture, but we're more like God than we were before that conversation. And so not only do we have to have people who you feel like, oh, I can talk to this person, but you actually have to invite that in. Because I know there's a lot of people who are older than you more mature than you, that are willing to pour into your life, but if you're not gonna ask and prompt that, it may not ever uh, go deeper than it is right now. You guys following me? That's pretty straightforward, yeah? Okay, so uh, right here in God's word, right? So in a response, like only God can judge me, assumes that you're outside of the church, amen? Because the truth is God gives us so let, let me put it this way. When I stand before God on my final day, I want to have nothing hidden, nothing that hadn't been addressed, no sin that hadn't been taken care of. Like I don't want to stand before God and be like, hey, Kaipo, what about this? Like something that I was trying to hide, something that I was trying to like be deceptive and not bring up again and just, I want to be truthful, you know what I mean? I want to be truthful now. And so God has given me people now that surround me, that pray for me, that keep me accountable so that I don't go off on the, you know, on a side tangent and trespass and fall to the truth, but I walk the truth and I stay in the light, okay? I mean, and we all understand that we all fall, Amen. We all fall, yeah? First John 1, 9, yeah? Okay, we all fall. If you say you don't fall, you're a liar, okay? So the truth is that we have to not only admit our wrongs, but with the spiritual over-shepherds that we have in our lives, invite them into that conversation, okay? Invite them into that conversation. Okay, let's go to um, Matthew chapter 18. Okay, so this is in response to what, what should we do when our brother or sister sins? Okay, Matthew 18. Matthew 18, we'll go uh, from verse 15. I think some of you guys have heard this before. And, and, and I'm going to deliver it and then we're going to backtrack because it's always good to get context. Okay, it's always good to get context. Um, okay, so uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, Okay, so this isn't only if my brother sins. This is like something that he actually deliberately does against you. But the truth is, <clears throat> I hope you guys understand that every sin that we do ultimately affects our brother, yeah? When I was younger, I, I had this, I was naive or maybe even deceived to the truth that the things that I did didn't have these ramifications, that connected to other people. But the truth is that the choices that I make that are godly impact other people, amen? This, simultaneously, the decisions that I make and the choices that I make 
that are ungodly also have these ramifications on those that I love, yeah? You know what's the hard, one of the hardest things for you guys or for us to deal with as humans is a lot of times we hurt the people that we love the most, yeah? Pride comes in, self comes in, sinfulness comes in, and the people who we actually love the most, we actually end up hurting because we're naive to thinking that the sins that we commit actually only impact ourselves. But the truth is, okay, they, they, they really do have an impact on other people's lives. Um, so anyway, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Okay, if I was a teacher, um, or like say we had a classroom, okay, say we had a classroom and this was like Monday night Christian 101 class. What we're going to read right here would be on a poster board. Yeah? On how to respond when a brother or sister sins against you. Okay? So number one, if I um, see a brother who sins against me, I'm going to call him out on his fault, on his fault, which means I'm going to make a what? A judgment. Okay? I'm going to have to make a righteous judgment okay, from our righteous God and be like, hey, you sinned against me, not just because I feel junk, but because you actually legitimately did something that was unbiblical, okay? Um, but when I call it on him, yeah, it's just going to be between me and him, and it's going to be alone. If he listens to me, yeah, I've gained my brother back, amen? Verse 16, but if he doesn't listen, then I'm going to take one or two more along with me, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I'm not going to gossip, but I'm going to find somebody spiritually uh, mature around me and take them with me. Why? Because my brother matters. Yeah? Because my sister matters. Okay? Is my brother, like, am I the keeper of my brother? Am I the keeper of my sister? Their well-being? Yes. Am I called to bear the burden of my brother, the burden of my sister? The answer is Yes, okay? So when a fault happens, I go to them one-on-one -on -one alone. Amen? Okay, if, I, if that doesn't work, then I take one or two only, yeah, other people hopefully that are, that kind of know what's happening and or our spiritual oversights, right, with me to try to reason with that person, okay? Um, okay, so verse 16, if he does... Not listen, take one or two along with you that every charge may establish an evidence two or three, verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Okay? So bring some other, maybe more godly people around you to pray, to reason, to direct with God's word. And so praise God for the body of Christ because we, we don't only have, you know, like youth right here, if, it, if, it's, if, if I cannot solve it or help you guys out, there's, there's, we've got elders, we've got other people who are spiritually mature, right, in the church to establish. And then if it's not within one church, maybe we can ask a sister church, amen, for advice, for reason, for prayer, for fasting, in order that what? The relationship would be restored and this person, yeah, who is uh, at fault would come back to repentance and restoration. It's always God's heart that people are restored back into this good relationship with God and with each other. Who's that? Oh, somebody's out there. Check. 
It's 7.31, so we're almost finished. But it's, I love how three people walked outside. I was like, that's my mom. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so let's finish this up, okay? Um, all right, so uh, let's back this up a, a little bit. And there's some awesome verses that I think you guys want to catch before we continue. So verse 10. Um, no, no, not verse 10. Um, verse 12, okay? So verse 12, we find uh, the, the heart of God here, yeah? Uh, so Jesus says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them have gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say, to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. Verse 14. So it is not the will of my fa- wait. Yeah. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Okay. So what is the heart of God? The heart of God is restoration. God understands that we are like sheep and we're going to go astray. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. But God has put into our lives, right, people who can chase after us. Amen? How many of us have been chased before? Yeah? Amen? Like, we need people. I hope you guys have people who are, are looking at your life, and when you guys go straight, they're going to give you a call. If you don't answer, they're going to text you. If you don't text back, they're going to knock on your door and be like, where you at? What are you doing? What have you been up to? I love you too much to let you go astray amen the chasers yeah we've got to have some chasers in our lives okay um but it is the heart of the father that we would be restored so we go one-on-one if that doesn't work we go with two or three others hopefully more spiritually mature if that doesn't work we take it to the church we take it to the elders of the church how many of you guys have actually gone that far where you're like this isn't working I'm limited. Those who have called into the the scenario are limited. It's not working. Let's go further. Okay? Let's go further. So he says, they get to the church, and then he says, um, if it gets to a place where they still refuse to listen even to the church, catch this. This is in the Bible. Okay? Paul says, let him or her be to you as a Gentile and or like a tax collector. Okay, so what is he saying? Ultimately, if they aren't following you in reason, we need to treat them like a non-believer. How do we treat non-believers? We pray for them. Amen? We, in our interaction with them, we're not treating them like a brother. We're going to try to treat them like they don't understand who God is. And so I... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act a little bit different. Not that I'm going to be disgenuine. No, I'm going to be real genuine, but I'm going to be super intentional. Like with you guys, I can, I can have fun. We can joke around, you know, like all, all within God's, God's vision. But if I understand that you're a non-believer, I'm praying for you a little bit more intentional because pretty much all you guys who are here know the Lord, yeah? And if you guys die today, you stand for him in glory. Hopefully you guys spend the rest of eternity with him. But if I'm hanging out with you and you are a non-believer, I'm like, whoa, this is serious. Because if this guy died today, I don't understand where this guy would be. Right? So if, 
there's a lot of ways that you can take this verse right here of like, you know, if I'm a believer, hopefully I respond to rebuke, amen? I respond to discipline. I respond to somebody who comes and says, hey, what are you doing? I love you, but what you just did wasn't accurate, okay? Just repent, say sorry, move on. Yeah, I love how Pastor Josh Margberger puts it. Remember, he says, uh, when you mess up, fess up, and move on, you know? Like, don't, don't let it just ride on you all the time. There's forgiveness, amen? There's grace. But forgiveness and grace only get received when there's what? Repentance and submission. Like, we cannot have our way and God's way at the same time. Yeah, it needs to be God's way um, or the highway. So put that on there. Okay, so... Um, uh, so right after this section, okay, so I almost finished. Right after this section, he goes into this time of prayer. He says if, if uh, and, and these are some of the uh, verses that you guys understand. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, loose on earth, loose in heaven. Verse 19, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. How awesome is that? How many of us got some friends or family that need the Lord? Yeah, tonight the, the guys group, we were praying for our dads. Yeah, not only did each one of them pray for their dads, but the other guys in the group were praying for their dads simultaneously. So that was more than two, amen? And we're hoping that every one of those dads, because the scripture says that if two or more agree on anything on earth, yeah, it shall come to pass. And so we pray, right? I pray for Tom, pray for Uncle Dan, pray for Maui. You know what I mean? Like, shock, we're praying for my dad that those guys will stay steady, that they'll be more humble, they'll be more broken, they're gonna have more of the Father as their time on earth finishes up, okay? All right, so a couple, couple more things. Verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. How many of you guys have heard that? And two more are gathered in God's name, he's there in the presence. It's here in this context of one or two people interceding on the behalf of one of their friends. Not only, is your, not only is it your heart, but it was actually God's heart first that you would be restored to your loved ones, that you would be restored to God, that the sins that are on you, yeah, you would understand that Christ took it on his shoulders and freed you and all you really gotta come to him is just in repentance and brokenness and say, God, I messed up. Can you forgive me, right? We mess up, we fess up and what do we do? We move on. Okay, we move on to bigger and better things. Um, okay, I'm gonna stop there. This continues, I and mean, we can pick that up next week. But if you got time, read the rest of 18. It really shows like this heart of God who He's watching, and what is God doing? He's He's praying and He's sending angels and He's watching over us. Yeah, I love what He says in the beginning of that chapter. He's He's talking about these little ones that um. Uh, that you don't, you don't want to cause the little ones to stumble because their angels, hey, get this, the little ones, their angels see the face of God all the time. You know, the angels see the face of God. Those angels come and they're just loving on the little ones. And, and so we want to love on them too, you know. Um, the greatest commandment, right? Love God. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. What is God doing? 
He's restoring relationship. Yeah? Restoring our relationship with him so that he can restore our relationship with one another and ultimately so he can restore our relationship with our own selves. And that's a whole other topic. Yeah? To just be confident in who it is that God created you to be. I think after camp, I got, I got my theme for this summer. And I think it's going to be good for you guys. Um, but it has to do with this loving God as I love my neighbor, as I love myself. You know, I think that's the, probably the hardest of the three. Even though we cannot see God, I think we understand how to love God. I think we understand how to love people, but how are we supposed to love ourselves, okay? Um, all right. So, um, hey, I, I know life gets tough, and I know some of you guys got challenges, man. I, I encourage you guys to invite uh, spiritu- spiritually mature people into that conversation, okay? If you guys got stuff that's on your shoulders, stuff, and, and you guys are so pure, I love it. I see it on, on your guys' faces. Like, um, okay, I'm gonna finish the story. So my wife, right? Her middle name is Joy. And she's pretty much joyous all the time. Like that's like her, 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 her standard is like she's pretty high energy. She's pretty uh, lively. So anytime that she isn't that, something's wrong. Like it's real easy for me to see when there's issues. She's either tired or hungry or hangry. Is hangry? Isn't that sad? Hungry and angry. Yeah. And I know something's up. And so I got to like, Work it, you know, a little bit. And you guys are, you guys are like that. I mean, you guys are so pure that when I don't see you guys happy and joyous and excited, I'm like, something's up. Yeah. But so you guys got people, yeah, around you that, that really love and care for you guys and will pray for you, okay? But, hey, you guys aren't young and you guys got to invite those people into that conversation. Yeah? Like, Mark, if you're not doing good, Hey, Pastor Kipes, right? I need help. Can you pray for me? What's going on, Mark? Well, I just crashed. <laughs> My, I'm bleeding. Call me up. Yeah, I need prayer. You know, something like that. Like, right, we all need prayer. We all need covering, yeah? And there's, there's nobody that, no, there's nobody who's above that. I mean, I got guys that I call, you know? The older you get, man, it, it rather than, you know, getting stronger, sometimes I feel like I get weaker, you know, like, but I, but I want to get more broken. The more I know, the older I get, the longer I've been doing this, I want to get more broken. I want to get more surrendered. I want to become more soft to the Lord rather than like prideful and I know everything. Like that's not the heart of God. And that shouldn't be our heart. Okay, we're going to stumble, we're going to f- fall, but if we confess our sins, what does First John 1 9 say? He is faithful and just to forgive us. Okay? But he calls us to do what? To confess our sins to one another. Rather than waiting for your brother to address sins. Yeah? Scripture says we should actually what? Confess our sins to one another. Yeah? And so, anyway. If you guys got stuff on you, yeah? Call me up. Call one of the leaders up and say, Hey, man, I need, I need prayer, man. I just... I love the Lord. I know he loves me, but I'm just a little confused. Yeah, I need some, I need some Jesus. I need some worship. Amen? Okay. Um, let's pray. And it's 42. And uh, 
Yeah, we're out of here. Jesus, thanks so much for this time. Uh, Father, I just thank you so much that your heart is restoration, that you came to seek and save the lost, God. Um, your heart is for um, us to re- have a restoration, Lord, in our relationship with you, God, to have great loving and intentional relationships with those around us. And ultimately, God, in the end, to have this healthy love for ourselves, Lord. And I just pray for this group here tonight. I know there's drama. I know there's issues, like legitimate issues. And, and Father, I just, I just ask that you would, um, one, be with them, that you would encourage, God, my friends here to, to one, turn to you on their own, and then three, God, turn to um, the spiritually mature around them, God, to help to restore the joy of their salvation, to help them to restore, God, the, the, the joy of knowing you. And to maybe, all we need is maybe some prayer and some scripture, God, to make us through this confusing time in life. Um, but yeah, God, I pray that you'd continue to fight for us. You'd continue to pray for us, God. You'd continue to involve yourself into our lives. And uh, yeah, Jesus, be greater. Be the greater one, God, who is in us than he who is in the world. Um, thanks, Father, in Jesus' name.